Testing. Testing. Hey guys, it's Will and Keith. I'm Keith. And I'm Will. And I'm Will. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you are amazing. This podcast is amazing. The, the microphone just just set itself on fire. I love this podcast already. <laughs> Will and Keith embrace the process. <laughs> All right, we are recording. Yeah. So this is very exciting. <laughs> this is our first remote episode. We are not in the same room together. We are together in different rooms. Exactly. And it's it's good to be with you, um, but it's bad to not be with you at the same time. It's, um, it's, a, it's a bittersweet symphony, this life. <laughs> it really is. Boy, that's so well said. Uh, so I guess we should probably fill in our listeners a little bit on why we're doing this remotely. So I've been uh, driving around the, the U.S. I've been trying to see this big, beautiful country a little bit. I've been staying with relatives and checking out famous sites. Two days ago, I saw the Grand Canyon, which was really big. It's grand. Oh my gosh, it's grand and big and very impressive. I can't believe people don't talk about it. Um, I've never heard so, yeah, anyone so, mention so it before. I've never, I've really literally stumbled upon it. There was no visitor center. There was no one else there. But it was very great. I hope, I hope you great. put it on social media so people know it's there. You know, I'm a little tempted to try and just keep the secret. You know, right, hold, just just let it be mine. Hold on, I'm going to pour uh, the French press in, in honor of our regular, oh, regular. Oh, now I really wish I were there. That sound makes me, so I'm, I'm drinking Lipton tea. Out of a hotel coffee maker, because I tried the hotel coffee maker coffee, and it was so bad. Um, well, it's fine. So I'm drinking Lipton tea, which is great. Yeah. Look, this episode is brought to you by... <laughs> Arsene Lipton. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I've been driving around the country a little bit. I'm on my way back to the East Coast now. Uh, at the moment, I am in a comfort inn in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. And uh, I'm sending you love from the land of enchantment. Is that the land of enchantment? Apparently New Mexico is the land of enchantment. Hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Is that because there's a lot of like witchcraft going on there? <laughs> it could be the peyote. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. I'm not sure exactly what the reference yes, is. There's a lot of uh, shamanistic activity. It's a, yeah, it's a little shamanistic. Certainly, the Comfort Inn is pretty shamanistic. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that. Yeah, uh, it's, it sounds uh, magical. It is. It's magical. Uh, I'm, it's great to be here. I'm in a room with virtually no natural light. I can see the sunlight through a doorway through the pool. Um, so I feel a little bit like I'm in a cave recording, but I'm still very happy to be. It looks like you're in the hallway of a, of a high school that was built in the '60s. <laughs> well, at least it's not that. Things could always be worse. Thank you for reminding me that things could always be worse. Well, I'm uh, just you know in the comfort of my living room drinking six depot coffee with uh, oat milk. So you know, at least one of us you is had living. me until oat milk. Uh, yeah. You've really lost me at oat milk. And I love your mug, by the way. Thanks. I know our listeners can't see it, but it's a it's a very beautiful mug. It's got an A on it. And a sort of a... Oh, it's hard to describe. Yes, it's very... Well, what's the pattern? It's like floral. It's it's a sort yeah. of uh, abstract floral. Because my name... Very abstract. Because my name begins with A. Oh, uh, that's right. I'd forgotten that. My nickname. Sorry, my nickname. Or well, what <laughs> what people often call me? Begins with a. The one that we can't say on the air. Oh, we can, but we won't. Well, that's right. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, but we choose not to, which is so much more powerful. Um, I'm just checking that we're still recording. I seem to be. <laughs> uh, you should. I was sort of hoping that we weren't actually. But, um. So you know what else begins with a? Will. Uh, what? Arsène Lupin. Stand and deliver. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if we were done with the with the check-in yet. Oh, we were we were done. Okay, I was going to try to segue into... So our topic for today, which you suggested, is the new Netflix series, Lupin. Yeah, well, it was... We were... You were trying to pass the ball to me to do something that I was invested in, and you had mentioned an anime yeah. episode. 
or series or something and I but what I thought was more interesting was yeah the series that just came out which reminds me of uh, the loop in the third anime which has been uh, out forever since like sometime in the 60s I think um, which is really? what, which is what I think of what I think of uh, of uh, this character in the anime right. in the anime he is the the third the g- grandson of Arsene Lupin. All right. Is it pretentious that I'm sort of trying to pronounce that correctly? I'm just going to say... Should I say Lupin? No, you say that. I'm going to say Lupin so that I don't sound like the letter A. So it's okay that we're not pronouncing it. I I have no idea how people are pronouncing the name of this Netflix show. I I guess people probably are saying Lupin, right? I I think so. Um, Okay. What was interesting in the... I think it was in the Wikipedia article... He, it said that the character was originally named Lopin. Right. I saw that. And he, they had to change it because there was a real guy with that name who complained. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, the, right. and then in, in the anime, the which I normally watch Japanese with English subtitles, I watched... Um, the uh, the feature the the Miyazaki feature they made, which is on Netflix, the Castle of uh, Castiglia. I, I'm terrible with Cagliostro. Hmm. Touche. Or something. Something like that. <laughs> um. They in the English dub they call him. They just call him Wolf. Oh. And um. It's interesting that uh, they would do that. They would translate Lupin into Wolf. When it was originally not even anything to do with like the lupus word, right? Yeah, you can see the you can see the root there. The French for wolf is loup, mm-hmm. l o u p, so it's close, but not the same. Yeah, yeah it's just obviously like, Remus Lupin is a werewolf character in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Even I know that. And lupus is the werewolf disease. That's correct. Where you turn a, into a, tragic... a werewolf. <laughs> the way werewolves have been ravaged by lupus. Uh, and by each other is really is really a tragedy. Stand and deliver. <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing there. You don't remember that? Oh, it's, I'll give you a hint. It's from Monty Python. Uh, Sir Dennis. No. Sir Dennis Moore. Where John Sir Dennis Moore. John Cleese is riding around the countryside, robbing people of their lupins. <laughs> don't. I don't know if I've seen this. Uh, it's so and he so he 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 robs all these rich people of their loop in the flower, and okay. br- and is bringing them to like Michael Palin's character, who's like destitute, living in like a potato cellar, and um, <laughs> he comes back like halfway through, and like all their clothes are made of lupins, and they're like eating lupins, <laughs> and and then you hear like a they like the cat just choked on a bloody lupin, and there's like a dead cat with a flower. I have definitely not seen this sketch. Oh, it's it's so it's really good. Um, I, I didn't even know Lupin was a flower. I'm learning something now. Well, see, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I, I I would say to you that when we're done here, uh, when you have a moment, just look up uh, Sir Dennis Moore. Um, it's very funny. I rewatched I, I rewatched it just um, the other day because this this reminded me of that. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. It's it stands out. It's really funny. All right. I got to check that out. We have a real John Cleese theme in this podcast, which I, I like. Yeah. I, I do too. So should should we do a little background for our listeners on who this character is and and what the new show is? Um, yeah, let's 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 do that. Cool. Right. So uh, Arsène Lupin. Well, I'm just going to keep saying it that way because I don't know. That's how it sounds in my head. So uh, the wolf. I'll call him Wolf. <laughs> Arsenio the Wolf uh, is a he's a famous French fictional thief, gentleman thief. Uh, he was the protagonist of a series of novels by Maurice Leblanc. They were written starting in 1905. Maurice Leblanc. And, for Sorry. 
Morris. <laughs> a, a fella called White Morris. My, my friend White Morris wrote wrote this series of novels. Novels and novellas, I think. So he's this ultra-sophisticated gentleman thief who, who pulls off impossible heists. Uh, and he's, he's very charming, and he's brilliant, and the, the police can't catch him. And, uh, and he was a hugely popular, is a hugely popular literary figure in France, uh, adapted many times into comics and movies and TV and all that stuff. And there's a new Netflix show, French Netflix show in French, called Lupin, that is not about that character, but, uh, but about a person inspired by... It's it's sort of an adaptation. I think this is maybe the most interesting thing about the show is that it is an Arsène Lupin show. It is like in that world and in that genre, and yet it's that character is fictional in the world of the show. So the show's really set in our world where yes. Lupin's a fictional character, and yet the influence of that character on the story and the characters is so profound that it is effectively an adaptation, while also not being one. And that's really cool, I think. It is. It is very cool. It, it has. It has the layers to it, and um, I like things that sort of that draw from a large body of work like this. That so, if yeah. if, if you're interested in this, there's a whole lot of um, stories to look at. Have you read any of the the original works? I have not, unfortunately. I'm sort of familiar with the character. You know, by pop cultural osmosis, I know who that is, but uh, but no, I haven't actually read the novels, which is unfortunate. I read um, uh, two short stories that I found online hmm. um, in preparation uh, for this. Um, just and how were they? Just to see, they were interesting. They were really. Um, uh, it sort of reminded me of reading the uh, the Lovecraft stuff that it's got that sort of old timiness mm. to it where um, a lot of the times like you you they're not even writing about what's happening they're writing about someone telling you what happened mm. um, so I read the Queen's necklace because it was sort of the the object of the Netflix series right. And um, so apparently this necklace is stolen, but you never find out how or um, anything about the heist. It's just like granted that it happened. And it's just sort of Mm. interesting that um, this idea that it's like a bunch of characters talking about what happened in the aftermath and like, oh, like who, who did it? And like, they're trying to passengers on this cruise ship are trying to, um, they're sort of gossiping about it, trying to maybe figure out who it could be. Oh, um, interesting. It is interesting. And it's sort it's sort of it's it has this withholding nature that I'm sort of like, well, what happened? Like are you <laughs> But no, they never tell you. Um, so so does does Lupin even appear or he's just talked about? In well, the it, it Is it a spoiler to answer that question? It, it sort of is for that story. Okay. But I mean it's 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 sort of I don't know the writing is kind of gimmicky. I read one other two where it's it's like a, a a heist happens and oh no, I'm sorry. The one on the ship is not the Queen's necklace. The Queen's necklace is the other one that I read. I'm God I'm getting, damn it, Will. I'm I'm getting mixed up. Um but uh um it's interesting. There's a lot of like um retelling of something that happened people like well you know it's 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 um it's what it's like documentarian in that way Hmm. where they're like well and then i talked to mr smith and i said well what happened with the thief and he told me this Um, (laughs) and so you have a lot of sort of cross narration rather than just telling the story as it happened Which is interesting. I don't know if I love it, but it sort of reminded me of uh, the only other super old thing that I've read recently, <laughs> which was uh, the Lovecraft stories. Yeah, I think that is a device that can be done really well or not well. well I think in a way that that idea, though, of seeing the narrative through 
uh, through a distance, right? Through through a layer of something intervening. That kind of seems like it is in the spirit of this show because you've got that character of Lupin who again doesn't even exist in the show except as a fictional character but uh, but he, it's very much about his legend and the the kind of meta narrative of it is super interesting right so you've got a main character who essentially reads the Lupin novels at a very young age following a very traumatic event and then models his life and his whole persona and his whole approach to the world on that fictional character, which is how the show is a Lupin show, even though it's not a Lupin mm. show. Um, and there's the sort of, the, the commentary of that is really interesting. You know, the, what stories mean to people and, and how we can try to become the characters in our favorite stories. And like, what is escapism and what is wish fulfillment? I think all that stuff is, is really cool and that, and the show treads an interesting line. It's it's definitely not realistic. It is kind of a fantasy, a wish fulfillment fantasy, where like he's so cool and he's so smart and no one can catch him. But he's also given very ordinary problems, right? Like relationship problems and and self doubt and you know the, his trauma as a child. He's given a lot of real world stuff to have to racism as well. He's a black guy in France. He's dealt with a lot of prejudice. Um, so there is this sense that. Uh, uh, I just completely lost the train of my thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is an attempt to take these sort of fantastical tropes of the perfect thief who can never be caught and transplant them into a somewhat more realistic world where just trying to be that person, trying to be that literary figure, that ideal, can sort of destroy your chance at a normal life and at happiness. Mm. So that's pretty cool, I think. Well, I guess I should stop trying to, to, to I was I was going to try to become a gentleman thief, but maybe for for my children's sake I should. You gotta think of your children, Will. The the one thing the 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 backstory of, of him receiving the book I felt was like a little bit I mean it like it just happened to be the book that the dad selected off the shelf of the study, right? Um, yeah, at the it, moment. Sorry. No, I was just. I just. I felt like that could have been a little bit more. I mean, obviously, it's it's meaningful to him because he opened the book like the day after his father was arrested. But what you know? What if it sort of like this idea of like it, it could have been any book. Right. Like, like if it had been Leonardo Robley, he would have tried to overthrow the French government. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, that that one, I mean, I, I, I understand how they sort of condensed it to like, oh, he took this book and then he was, that's how they sort of, you know, that's how he was at the scene of the crime. Um, but I sort of wished that one piece had been a little more meaningful or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think when I when I watched that scene the first time, I thought I thought the book had a special meaning to the dad. Which maybe it does, right? But but I, I was sort of thinking maybe he's already trying to pattern his life off this character and then passes that on to his son. Mm-hmm. And yet the more you watch the show, you the more you feel like no, the dad was just trying to be a good dad. He was a pretty ordinary person. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is a spoiler. But <laughs> But the uh, the feeling more and more is, oh, he did just pick that book because he liked it and he thought it was a cool book and he thought his son would enjoy it, which is great. But it's it's odd then to feel like a person has patterned his whole life on just, yeah, just the book that happened to be picked off of that shelf. Although yeah. maybe that's, maybe there's something really resonant about that too. The idea that it could have been any book and he would have lived a completely di- uh, different life. Maybe that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the show is interesting either way. That was just one point that I was I was trying to sort of understand what was happening, and and it just felt kind of random. Or maybe it was that the 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 his employer, the wife, had called him a gentleman in the car. Yes, that's and right. And then he picked a book that had the word gentleman. Either way, it's it's a little it's a little thin just at that point, but um. That's a good point, though. The thing that ties the dad and the character and the son all together is that idea of being a gentleman, mm-hmm. not the idea of being a thief. Yeah. 
it's and I think maybe thematically that is more important to the show because obviously the word gentleman comes up again well when we have a flashback to him meeting his wife for the first time they have a long conversation about what it means to be a gentleman mm -hmm. so yeah no that's a good point I think there, there is something aspirational um, yeah so and the the character in my understanding is in these novels I have not read uh, <laughs> we're not just admiring him because he's effective at stealing stuff but that but that he has class and he has a certain code of honor he never kills for example um, so so maybe even going all the way back to the original novels there is the sense that of course being a thief is what makes him super cool and interesting but being a gentleman is what makes him admirable so I guess yeah his father was a gentleman and was then framed as a thief so right. that's sort of you bring those two together right and you have and he a became, wolf he became both he became a gentleman and a thief what a guy yeah and the, and that guy we should we should mention the actor who plays uh not Arsene Lupin but who plays the central character uh he does a phenomenal job this guy Omar C is his name yeah he's great in it he does such a yeah apparently he's a pretty big star in France I don't think he's very well known uh, in the U.S., but he does. The whole show's built around him and his charisma, and he has to be charming and he has to be likable and relatable, and he does just a beautiful. It's like real movie star stuff. He's just incredibly charismatic. I'm excited uh, for the next season. I'm. I, I have no idea when it's coming out, but. So I. This is interesting. I I just looked into this this morning. Apparently, this season isn't over. So they're they're releasing the first. Well, series. I don't know what you call a season. Oh, they said part. Yeah. Yeah. So the, this we have five episodes on Netflix now. We have another five coming out later this year. I think maybe even like midsummer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then and that will complete not the whole series but the first uh, arc. Oh, great! And then hopefully it sounds like they're intending to then do more past that. But the the the, the goal of the first ten episodes is really to introduce the character uh, into the world uh, it had been it had been a long time since i watched a sort of heisty film or show um so that was nice yeah probably not since like the the oceans 11 days was one of the last time and, and maybe include like the guy ritchie the the guy ritchie films was the last time mm -hmm. i had watched sort of uh, heist. It was, so it was it was it was fun to watch one again and, and have it be um, so European, I guess, and sort of mm. another theme we've talked about quite a bit is is in how enjoyable it can be to get away from the sort of uh, U.S. version of stories mm. um, where everything is 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 so uh, just fantastic and flashy. And in the in in Lupin, the Netflix show is is it's gritty. It's pretty gray. You know, mm. it's it's like you said. It's it's like a one man thing. There, it's not this huge like ensemble or or uh, crazy production. But it's 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 well made and it's it's uh, suspenseful and has action. But it it doesn't feel like sensational, which mm. I enjoy. It feels like you know. It feels. It has that sort of realism to it, where it's kind of has this flat line, which I enjoy. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're doing a, a good job of balancing both elements. You know, the the heist stuff is very sexy and very cool, um, but the the characters are front and center, and their emotional lives. And it's not just his emotional life. Like even even characters who are more unsympathetic, who are maybe darker figures, who are maybe villains, they're also given like their own their own journey and their own point of view which is cool mm. and and in a way that does feel more european i mean american television is is probably trending in this direction but uh but yeah french films for many many decades have thrived on character study you know and, and really like making people feel like real human beings and to me this feels like the best of both worlds where there is that hollywood style uh glitz and glamour uh and cool and at the same time we, we do believe on some level these are real people living in a heightened world hmm. um so that's pretty exciting um 
the, the show that it keeps reminding me of, both as a comparison and as a contrast, is the BBC Sherlock. You've seen oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's starring that's, you, right? That's, that's right. Starring... <laughs> Starring a, an actor that some some people seem to think I resemble. I don't I don't know if I see it. I'd I'd love to resemble him more actually. Uh, but yeah, um, the I mean for one thing, those two characters before either of those shows existed, they were already sort of tied together. The, uh, Lupin is kind of the, in a way, is kind of the French Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a you know a brilliant gentleman who's ubiquitous in pop culture the difference being of course he's on the wrong side of the law uh <laughs> but but they are analogous figures they've even they've even met i guess uh holmes appears in some of the original lupin stories oh wow even even though that was sort of a violation of uh, conan doyle's copyright uh so they've been they've been in a way a pair for a long time and there's even the possibility that Lupin was inspired by Holmes indirectly because as I was reading about this morning um, Lupin is similar to A.J. Raffles who's the British gentleman thief the Raffles stories were written by Conan Doyle's brother-in-law and explicitly inspired by Sherlock Holmes so there's the possibility that they are actually like linked in a genealogical way I like the idea that he nestled some actual copyright theft into the story <laughs> about his thief. That's right. It's it's very meta. It's um, very on theme. But the but the other reason I think Sherlock is a great point of contrast is they're trying to take this character from, you know, around the turn of the twentieth century. Holmes is a little earlier, but they're trying to take a character from well over a hundred years ago and reintroduce him in a modern context. And in the Sherlock show, the the way they did that was just by pretending like Sherlock Holmes was a real person living today in London, and then stylizing everything to a point where a character that larger than life would actually make sense in that world. Um, whereas the Lupin show, they're they're trying to make it a little more grounded, a little more realistic. Although it's still, you know, it's still basically escapist. Um, and so, and I think that's probably why they decided okay, well, it's not about Lupin. It's actually about someone who's trying to be that person and and maybe even realizing why that's such a bad idea. <laughs> and actually, this is an interesting aspect of the origin of the show. Apparently, Omar C. is a huge star. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Huge star in France, and the, the network wanted to work with him. And they said, well, who do you want to play? You know, you're, you're a big star. You can play anyone you want. Wow. And he was like, and he was like, I want to play Lupin. And so originally he was supposed to be that character. And then as they're developing the show, they decide at some point along the line, they decided it's going to be cooler if he's not literally that character. Yeah, I think it is cooler. I think um, um, like in contrast to, to Holmes, it would feel more like it's already been done if he yeah. was. It's sort of like, oh, another show where they took a character and brought him. It, 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 it's much more original feeling yeah. that he that he's just a guy inspired by the character rather than pretending to be the character. And maybe that was part of the thinking. Maybe they were looking at Sherlock and saying that was a huge hit internationally. It was great. How can we differentiate ourselves? Yeah, it, w- it would seem... Um, it would seem a little more sort of like it had been done before i think if if he was lupin himself right yeah and it's i mean i think one of the things that i haven't quite said about this show that i've been hinting at all along (laughs) is that it's really really good yeah If, if anyone listening is in doubt about whether we recommend this show uh, I think I can speak for both of us when I say we wholeheartedly recommend this show. It's really, definitely. really good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's you have to you know you have to watch it with subtitles or dubbed. It's in French, but uh, it's it's really well shot. It's really well acted. It's really fun and it has some depth to it. Uh, and I'm really really excited to see what'll happen with the next five episodes. I guess we'll have had, those in just a few months. Had you you hadn't watched it before? Uh, we decided to do it for the podcast or you had no i had not no i i don't think i was even aware of it i think it was just your recommendation well 
and I didn't know what I, I only knew the character. I, I hadn't when I when I put it on, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't read the synopsis or um I was sort of expecting it to be more um I guess fantastic or or, or mm. to be about the character. Um I was very pleasantly surprised with what it what it is. Do you want to talk about because you know the anime and I don't? Do you want to talk about the way that it compares and contrasts with that? Um, well, there was yeah. Um, I mean, I was never. It was never the the anime uh, Lupin the Third was never like a top on my list or anything. But it's just it's been around for so long, um, mm. you know, since the sixties. Um, so I've seen it um, sporadically, you know, all my life. Um, but Wait, it, you don't mean that it's still going now since the sixties? No, no. But I mean, they're still they're still making like adaptations of it. Mm. Um, I don't know when when the last one was. Um, but let's see. So the it's it's the 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 film I was saying was the Castle of Cagliostro, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, that um, was the feature film they did. Um, and that was still like at the end of the sixties. Um, but um, one of the big contrasts that I I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I went back to watch. I had never seen the first season, and so I found it online to watch a few episodes of. And um, what I didn't expect was they're just like they're just killing people left and right, which I didn't hmm. expect. I was like, oh yeah, he's like the thief, and I don't, you know, I think. They probably have this like gentleman theme, but no, they're just like busting out guns and swords <laughs> and just like murdering. Um, yeah, which was a big contrast. Well, and that's actually I think a pretty notable thing. Sorry if I could interrupt for a second. Yeah, um, pretty notable thing about the Netflix show. I was asking myself, what is uniquely French about this show? Because um, some of it feels like this could be anywhere. You know, cops and robbers. That's always that's always fun and compelling. But I was asking myself, what other than the, the language is French about this show? And I think one of the things that struck me was the, you hardly ever see guns. Like they're, I don't, I'm not sure anyone. I can think of one example where a character is carrying a gun. But there's not a lot of gunfire. There's not a lot of, you know, there's some violence, but it's it's not heavy on the violence. It's like, it's heavy on the intrigue and the the sort of spycraft of it all. And uh, I feel like it's possible the American version, well, even the even the British version, even Sherlock, you know, uh, English people are not nearly as gun-toting as Americans are in real life. But there are plenty of guns in Sherlock. Like they 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 use guns to great effect in that show. <laughs> and pretty much any serious confrontation, someone's going to have a gun in that show. But it's not true in, in Lupin. It's much more. They're much more selective about when the guns come in. Yeah, I haven't watched Sherlock in, in so long. I can't. Um... I don't. I, I can't really remember a lot of the specifics of it. it. Feels like so long ago. I'd love to watch that show again. That that really is. It's a great. I mean, it's silly in a lot of ways, but it's a great show. It's so entertaining. Yeah, and always good to uh, some classic Martin Freeman action. Oh, uh, he's can't, great. Can't go wrong. He's great. They're both great. I I love the contrast between their, those two, uh, just as actors. You know, Martin Freeman is so restrained. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, at least in that show, he's a little bit of a ham, and it works beautifully. <laughs> um, they they play off each other so well. Um, one thing that was interesting was that um, the anime was never was done without any sort of copyright whatsoever. They just they just were like, hey, this guy's the grandson, and apparently, mm-hmm. um, that I'm trying to I'm trying to find. Uh, find um the the name here but so um there was a complaint against against the the anime production hmm. um so that when um when it was sind- when it was released in in France they had to change the name to something totally uh totally different which was which was pretty funny which ironically is exactly what happened when Maurice LeBlanc was trying to use Sherlock Holmes <laughs> He, he just used the name Sherlock Holmes originally, and then there was a legal challenge. And then in future reprints, it was changed to Herlock Holmes. 
Are you kidding? <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, they just made it Herlock Sholmes. So apparently there's a rich tradition of, uh, of meta theft in these, uh, in these properties. <laughs> so you, didn't, you hadn't seen any of the anime, the Lupin the Third. No, I have never seen. I think it's at one point I was going to catch up on uh, a little bit of it just to do this episode. And then uh, it was all I could do to, to finish the Netflix show. So. Well, oh, that's why I can't find it. I keep finding information on uh, the Loop in the Third movie that they made. Let's see, this one was. Yeah, mm. apparently apparently they just did another uh, a CGI uh, film in 2019. Oh, really? Of the anime character. So I still go. Still going strong. Still going strong. And it started in 1967. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah there, there's something about... Popular. Sorry. Just there's definitely popular. something about that archetype uh, of the Gentleman Thief. There's something incredibly appealing about it. And it's not just the characters we've been discussing, but it's, uh, you know, the Thomas Crown Affair is a classic example, or you mentioned Ocean's Eleven. Um, that's a... That is a mythic figure in our culture that really deeply appeals to people. Um, Sir Dennis Moore. Yeah, very, very, very much the Dennis Moore. <laughs> Stand and deliver. Is that the? Yes. Is that the right reference? Okay, good. Um, yeah, they're always stealing flowers, and then they end up eating them and feeding them to cats. And there's just some kind of archetype there that's very, that's very resonant. No, I don't know. I wonder what it is. I, I, I guess it's. I think it's the fantasy of just being able to make your own rules and, and, and yet still be a part of society, right? Like the outlaw fantasy is super appealing, but we all know on some level that outlaws have to hide out in caves and eat grubs and, you know, they're not allowed to go to the opera and they they don't date movie stars. Uh, and of course the, you know, the other, the other fantasy is sort of, uh, oh, a man of, man of wealth, maybe I'm the great Gatsby or whatever it is. Although he's a little bit of an outlaw too, but, uh, but, but somehow combining the ultimate outsiderness, right. And the thief, I, I'm outside the law with the ultimate insiderness. I, you know, I also go to the best restaurants and, uh, and I wear the best clothes and I get, I get the best of being in mainstream society and also the best of, uh, of telling it to go screw itself that sounds, I don't know, is that, that sounds great is that a persuasive analysis <laughs> i think i think i want to go tell someone to screw themselves right now yeah yeah well you could just tell me I, I won't take it a wrong way screw you keith thanks man i appreciate that i recognized one of the actors in this show so the french show that my brother and i were watching um this is probably early on in the pandemic so about a year ago we were watching a spy spoof show. Really good, actually. Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah, a, a Very Secret Service, I think was the English title. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was just two seasons. And it was similarly very, very stylish and very, very well done. But the tone is totally different. It's just totally absurd and satirical. And But one of the actors uh, is in both shows. That This guy, I don't know his name. But uh, in A Very Secret Service, he plays one of the more absurd characters. He's sort of the perfect bureaucratic functionary who really gets off on the paperwork. And he's very bizarre, and everyone sort of hates him, but he's just all about the paperwork. And then he dies, spoiler alert, he dies about halfway through the series. And then he is replaced in that function with another character played by the same actor with a different haircut. (laughs) And he just the exactly the same personality. <laughs> oh wow! That's... Which is a great joke, yeah. one of the more absurd jokes in the whole show. But anyway, that guy plays uh, the best friend in oh. the bun, so he plays a much more kind of normal and and likable person, and he's really good in both shows. But it's a it's a wildly different type of role. Um. Yeah, I think it's like if there was a French "Would I Lie to You" the 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 pool to draw from would be even smaller <laughs> than the British one. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, it is a, it is a somewhat smaller country than, well, than ours. Uh, oh, I found the name that, it, so when they released the anime in France, uh, 
Then they they changed it to Edgar, detective burglar. <laughs> I knew it was worth looking Edgar? up, but I could. You have detective burglar. Wow, that is the worst title, Edgar Detective Burglar. How does that even? <laughs> that really, it just sounds like a mistranslation. It just sounds like that can't possibly be the title. You've yeah. got to be kidding. <laughs> Especially considering, I don't know, it was it's it's from a French story, but when they release it, maybe maybe it was like a, a slap in the face to be. Oh yeah, well we're gonna give you the worst name. Yeah, that's right. Possible. You you won't let us use the original, so we're just gonna we're gonna make give it the stupidest name we can think of. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there there is something fun about. There's something a little bit nostalgic for me. You know, I lived in France a little bit when I was a kid. And uh, just hearing the language and seeing those places, um, it, it does, it fills me with a certain degree of nostalgia for a place that I didn't necessarily like that much when I had to live there at the age of 10. Um, but there, there are things I like about France. Well, France especially, but even the French to some degree. I, I think one of the things that I notice when I watch... Um, international shows is that I don't feel like I'm trying to be convinced of something about a character hmm. where in American shows it's like if there's a cool character like you know they want him to be like so cool and hmm. they want you to know like this person is cool and sort of all you know you'll see these extra shots of them um, just just to, to hammer that home like this is the cool person right um, and I feel with American television um, it's it's they really like to hit people over the head with things because mm. um, I mean like if you think of of, of, of Lupin the the Netflix series um, why is he cool you know he, he just has a sort of nonchalance that he interacts with people mm. with you know and 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 is friendly um but um but there isn't really there's no sort of excessive scenes of him doing anything particularly cool hmm. or that isn't part of the story in right particular. when he's doing something cool it's it's outwitting people like those are his yeah. cool moments yeah um yeah and I, I think yeah it's interesting he he's I mean, he's extremely cool, and and uh, and it's you know it's not it's not subtle, uh, it's not easy to miss. But uh, he can also be he can be goofy, he can be funny, he can be vulnerable. Uh, they give him a and this is I think part of the value of not making it the famous character, not making it the iconic larger than life character. If he were Sherlock Holmes, then he would need the Watson, right, the relatable guy. But because he's not Sherlock Holmes, because he's trying to be Sherlock Holmes, because he's kind of cosplaying Arsène Lupin, um, mm -hmm. he can be he can be cool and brilliant and impressive, and also pretty normal and human at times, um, and and make mistakes. You know, there are, there are cool moments in the show when he really screws up. I think of the scene where he's interrogating that guy and he's trying to conceal his own identity while interrogating the guy and then he just slips mm -hmm. he just lets himself get carried away um and that's extremely believable it's extremely real that someone could be clever enough to contrive this whole elaborate situation that gives him all the cards and then he gives up a card completely unnecessarily because he lets his emotions get the better of him you know of course absolutely that is definitely something that a person could do um and it, that does make him uh, in some ways a more interesting character than someone who's perfect. Um, you know, the invincible protagonists uh, can be can be really boring. I know my brother, for example, hates the Ocean's Eleven movies because Danny Ocean never screws up. He just always has a plan, and then the plan always goes well, and then that's the end. And he's like, well, that's not a story. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's, that's a perfect example of, of something that's too so American in that way that it's like you know you have to like he's the man and like there's nothing that ever questions that right and i'm sh i'm sure there's like gratuitous scenes of like putting on sunglasses or taking off sunglasses <laughs> like you know stupid stuff like that or like 
uh, getting dressed or like stepping out of a car. I don't know. Like mm. there's, stepping there's out all of a car this. Is cool. Yeah. Um, I guess Lupin does step out of a car when he's on the way to the auction. He totally does. So you're lying. <laughs> yeah, but I think that 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 was an interesting shot also because the way they the way they cut that he's there. He rolls out. He's like dust the carpet, and then he walks off the screen. And as the camera pans over, there's a car pulling up, and he steps out of it. Huh. I don't actually remember With, that shot. Yeah. So it's 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 um it's when he's arriving to the auction. Right. And it, I know there's a few there's a few of these type of shots in the show that don't really make any sense, but I like them anyway. Hmm. Um, and so the the scene is it's showing the front of the Louvre. And he is in his janitor's uniform. Mm-hmm. And he's they roll out the carpet and he's like dusting it or something. And then he walks into the background and the camera's panning over. And then it's him who's stepping out of the car. Oh, okay. So it's it's one shot it's, that kind of compresses time. Yeah, it's it so so it's not like it's uh um and it just uh and although it doesn't make any sense for for the timing, like he couldn't have walked off right. in the same shot. It's more of just a cool transition, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And, and I think in terms of the coolness factor, there, when he goes to the auction, he is playing a character, right? He's there in character as a person that he isn't, and so some of that coolness, okay, maybe is supposed to be him. But I feel like part of the reason he looks so so great and so masterful in those scenes is. Well, it's not him, right? It's the character that he's playing in order to get a particular outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a big difference. You're right. But whereas in the American version, it would, he would be that guy probably all the time. Right. Well, yeah. And there's also something about, you know, one of the key elements of the character, and this goes back to the novels, apparently, is that he's a master of disguise. Like Sherlock Holmes, he's a master of disguise. Just the willingness to dress up like an old man you know, and hunch your back and maybe speak in a, in a gravelly voice. Just that is sort of anti-cool in a way, right? Like you have to, you have to be willing to at least appear weak, right? If you're going to be a master of disguise, well, that means, you know, being characters who are less intelligent than you, who are lower class, people who are older, people who are debilitated in some way. And so immediately your, your dignity, at least in that moment, your dignity is sort of sacrificed to uh, the needs of the role, that you're playing and Sherlock Holmes will absolutely do that. You know, he, he's not above, uh, uh, making himself look ridiculous in the service of a particular outcome. You know, Danny Ocean doesn't do that stuff, right? Uh, James Bond doesn't do that stuff either. When James Bond is in character, it's just that he's wearing a tuxedo. Whereas before he was wearing a suit. It's like, that's his, (laughs) that's as far as it gets. Um, but yeah, just the, sorry. I think in the, I think in the American, uh, Sherlock, the elementary, I don't think the character ever, ever does any sort of uh, disguise. Well, that's so there's pretty an, telling. There's an example, yeah. Yeah. They, well, like, wait, that, no, I, he has to be the cool, you know, although he's a heroin addict, he's still, you know, <laughs> he's this guy and he can't ever be anyone else. Right, and this is probably related to why most people consider that kind of the diet knockoff version of Sherlock. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Elementary, but it's very much... Sherlock for people who um, who just don't care. I I forget who that actor is. What his name is? Johnny Lee Miller. But I always I always I was happy for him to get the role because I was a huge uh, train spotting fanatic. When oh I was yeah, a teen, yeah. When I was a teenager, and um, he's uh, you know one of uh, iconic in that movie. Sick boy, is that his character? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, <laughs> there's no knock on Johnny Lee Miller. He's making money. I don't even know if Elementary is still on the air, but if it is, good for him. Cash those checks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> money is money. And look, there are worse shows on television. So. Um, another shot that this has nothing to do with anything, but that I Go thought. For it. I, 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 th- I noticed the show, I think, was shot really well in general, I think. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography is really strong. Um, the editing is really strong. Um, and sometimes in ways, like I was saying with that car shot, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but it's, it, it's artful enough that I don't mind. 
Yeah. Um, and so this is a this is a, a very unimportant scene, but when the dad is about to wrap the book up for the present, mm. he um, he puts the rolling he puts the wrapping paper on the table and just wings the roll off the other side of the table <laughs> so it just it goes like and just covers the whole table and i was like i had this like double double feeling in me where where i was like oh that, that was a really like nice looking shot yeah and the other half of my brain was like that's not how you wrap a present <laughs> like what does he do the book is like half the size of that that's uh, really funny but i like i like i like the idea that um that the people that filming and directing it were taking the time to do shots like that. And it wasn't just, you know, shooting for dialogue. I really enjoy that feeling of, of sort of uh, uh, cinematography. Yeah. Um, and I notice that when it's not there, you know, you get like, um, you, that's when you would land in like a regular sort of episodic TV show, you know, like a, I don't know what, like a law and order or something, mm. presumably where it's just, you know, they get the shots of the people talking and establishing right. a shot, but there, there's no sort of camera artistry. Yeah. It's just a formula. And um, I think, I think this, this series did that really well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think part of that comes down to just budget and schedule. I think my guess is law and order shoots really, really fast and they're, they just literally don't have... I mean, I'm sure the people who work on that show are talented and can come up with cool ideas for shots. It's just that's not the assignment. The assignment yeah. is to get it done. Um, yeah. And, and you know, something like this, where they're doing... They're only releasing five episodes at a time. You assume, and I think, I think this is almost certainly true, that they're just spending a lot more time, you know, making it making it the way they want it to be, making it really cool. Mm. Yeah. But it didn't seem... It didn't seem like... it Because there, there's also pieces where you see it's it's too much you know mm. there's too much sort of like b-roll of cool stuff right and so i think the show had a really great balance where it, it didn't feel like it was wandering off and the the choices the, the moments where they were doing sort of uh sort of art, artful segments were just, were really brief and they were always you know part of the story which i really thought was cool i agree yeah there's very little that feels just self-indulgent yeah, and even the, the way they shoot dialogue scenes, um, it is inventive and there's a fair amount of camera movement and it feels very kinetic. But at the end of the day, it's the performances that carry the scene that make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not, um, even though the cinematography is pretty uh, vibrant and alive, you're not constantly thinking about it. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's really, really, really well balanced. Um, I'm interested to see uh, how it continues. Me too. Yeah, they did a good job of ending the fifth episode on a cliffhanger, on two cliffhangers, actually, um, almost simultaneously, and that's fun. And uh, yeah, I'll be really curious to see where it goes next. And I love the idea that uh, that all ten episodes are really just setting up the character, and then after that, they can go anywhere they want. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious. It's... Um... There's a whole, I mean, they don't do a lot of shots in his sort of, in his HQ. Mm. I mean, there's a fair amount, but it's always dimly lit. You know, he has that awesome chair with the face yeah, behind it. And he's like, you know, working on the computer. And um, so it, 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 and there's like, there's all this stuff in the background, but you never really see what that is. Mm. And um, you just, it, it gives you the feeling that. You know, a lot has already happened right. since since the time of the flashbacks and the current, um, because he already you know he's already has like the wealth of knowledge. I guess that that's a, that's a, what's really interesting about the show is, in the beginning, you get the feeling like he's just a guy. Hmm. You know, they start it off with him sort of in the janitor role, right. right? And, and he's like, oh, you know, uh, like he, he's trying to get the money because he owes. And so they, they, they you, you, when you're starting watching it, you think, oh, like you think he's actually in that position. And they only mm. reveal slightly later that it's all orchestrated by him. That was a really cool moment. Right. Um, and 
and so that all opens it up that you know we have no idea what else he's done and it could be so much because he already seems to be totally in control yeah of or at least you know well practiced yeah so we've gotten we've gotten the origin we've got flashbacks to his youth and what made him the way he is and then we've got his struggles in the present day but you're right there's a there's a huge territory in between those two where he must have learned all these skills and had some early adventures and maybe even made mistakes and uh, maybe we're going to learn more about that as it goes along it might be pretty interesting yeah so it could go it could it could move forward in time and also fill in this gap i think there's a lot of uh, ground that they could cover yeah to keep to keep it interesting absolutely yeah and i think the flashbacks are another thing that are really well handled in the show you know i don't uh, I don't like flashbacks in general. I feel like they kill the momentum. Like they explain things oftentimes that don't really need to be explained. But this show does a really good job of integrating them into the story so that you don't have this feeling like, oh, let's put the story on hold and learn about his childhood. It's more like, let's learn uh, where he's coming from at moments when it's relevant to where he's Mm -hmm. going. I was, Allie was just watching a show, uh, Firefly Lane. Huh. On Netflix. And it was the it was it was a whole the whole series is sort of based on all these flashbacks and it's so terrible <laughs> that uh, and one of the things that really annoys me is they the way they tell you how old a flashback is is how much yellow they tint <laughs> the screen with right. so the real so the really old flashbacks are like everything is yellow like the whole screen is washed and the medium flashbacks are slightly yes yellow well if you um, remember you know like the late 1980s everything was pretty yellow for quite a few years there <laughs> i don't know how well you recall but uh, it was very difficult to discern any other colors i just think if you, if if you need a gimmick to to so that people know what the hell is going on in your show like to put a color overlay over everything, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that like anything else, that can be done well or poorly. It's fun when flashbacks have their own look, but it can also be really over the top. It can feel really lazy. Um, at the end of the day, the, the, the main question is, do you need this flashback? And if you don't need it, it shouldn't be in there. Yeah, I think I think if if in the whole concept that like you're gonna write a show that's just like jumping around through time just because that's what you're doing is just feels pretty unnecessary. Mm. I think, I don't know. So I think next week we should definitely do a full episode on Firefly Lane. I think that'll I be dare, I dare you. I dare you to watch that show. Uh, maybe we'll do, we'll do Firefly instead. We'll compromise and we'll do okay. Firefly. <laughs> yes. And we'll, and we'll, and then we'll do a deep dive into Firefly and Lane, the character from Gilmore Girls. Perfect. I love both of those things. Um, cool. Well, I think, I think we covered that pretty well. Should we, uh, should we wrap it up? I mean, as well as we cover anything, I would yeah. say. It was a little scattershot, but I feel like people got the general idea. And I mean, I'm very impressed with our ability to do this remotely. I think it actually went pretty well. I'm kind of surprised. I thought it was going to be really awkward with the lag. Um, it seems like it's been a fairly seamless conversation. I'd, I'd rather sit near you at a table, but uh, this has been pretty good. Yeah, I. I uh, uh, it's too bad it took us so long to pull it together, but I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did also. And so now you know, we know. <laughs> the next time I take off on some inexplicable walkabout, uh, we'll have our system all ready to go. Yeah, or if my if my COVID covid agoraphobia gets worse and i have to board all ball my doors and windows <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on a on a schedule of some kind i'm gonna we're gonna create a threshold of u.s vaccination rate and at a certain <laughs> moment when that the rate reaches that threshold i'm just gonna drag you out of your house and like into a crowded <laughs> restaurant it's gonna be uh you know exposure therapy but uh, but done very crudely and uh and suddenly that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you next week. And uh, we'll do another episode in person. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, safe travels. Thank you. And uh, email me your uh, sound file. Oh, yes. I will email you my sound file so you can splice it all together. Uh, I hope I succeeded in recording myself. <laughs>
If not, I'll, I'll, we could post this anyway of just me talking and then long pauses. <laughs> I think that would be very entertaining. It would really be telling about like how much I actually uh, add to this podcast when when seventy five percent of it was just dead air. It would be very telling about how much I cannot shut up. I I, I love it. Don't don't ever shut up except <laughs> when I beg you to. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. All right. Well, be well, my friend, and uh, take good care of yourself. I'll see you soon. And to our listeners, thank you for being listeners. Good day. Good day. <laughs>